The following program deals with a controversial subject. The theories expressed are not the only possible interpretation. Viewers are invited to make a judgment based on all available information. This is your captain speaking. We are beginning our descent into madness. Open, open, your, 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 my, my, my. And we're back to another edition of West of the Rockies. I'm Frank. Thank you guys for sticking around. I know it's late, but we have a really, really interesting show lineup for everyone tonight. Genevieve, how are you doing over there? I'm doing great and very much looking forward to the show and getting this message out there because, I mean, we've spoken about this so much already and it's time to speak to our audience about this. You know, this is uh, this is a topic that we have covered in the past and that is the, the subject of uh, mind control. And if you're new to this topic, I think a quick Google search will bring you up to date. And if you want more information, I definitely uh, encourage you to check out the many sources out there with information on this. Of course, you can visit our website, WTRRadio.com. We have uh, interviews dealing with these topics. One in particular we just had last week, it hasn't been posted yet, but be on the lookout for that. And that's an interview with Elisa E. We, we do have a previous interview with her, and she was a victim of uh, MK Ultra mind control. And some of the things that we learned through her experiences were very bizarre. And tonight's show is right along the same lines. And I got to send a quick shout out to my good buddy, Ron Patton, over there with uh, Ground Zero and uh, Paranoia Magazine, uh, who brought this to my attention. This case is quite a high-profile case up in Oregon. I don't know if just because we're down here in Southern California, we didn't hear that much about it. But it, it involves a young woman, 35 years old, Successful by all accounts, her name uh, was Tiffany Jenks. The official story is that she met up with the wrong people at the wrong place at the wrong time. And 19 minutes later, 19 minutes later, after meeting three individuals outside of a club, she was dead. Her boyfriend, who's joining us tonight, John Captain, saw this. And obviously things didn't add up with the official story. And he came across a number of recordings, audio recordings that Tiffany had made during the days leading up to her death. And what he began to piece together was something that he himself, I, I believe, and he's going to tell us in his own words, but it seems like it was a bit over his head. There were there was stuff being discussed on, on these recordings that were bizarre to say the least. And he began to investigate this. And, and this quest took him as far as New Zealand to meet up with David Icke to ask him about MK Ultra and trauma-based mind control. And this is where the story really begins to take a dark turn. And I'm going to stop right there because I want to bring John into the conversation and have him tell us a little bit about, first of all, who was Tiffany Jenks and how did he arrive to the shocking conclusion that she was involved in some type of 
MK Ultra mind control program. As Genevieve mentioned, we have been going over some of this stuff the last few days. And again, on the surface, the official story is very plain, very black and white. But even when you read some of the news reports that came after, the stories of the three suspects don't even add up. So there's definitely something going on here. Something is being covered up. We're not sure why. And that's why we're really happy to have John Captain joining us tonight. John, can you hear us okay? Yes. How are you both? We're doing Hi. great. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be with us tonight and, and talk about this, uh, you know, mystery. Uh, of what happened to to Tiffany Jenks, I, I I know that it must be still quite difficult to talk about this when uh, when there is a sense that justice hasn't been served. Is that correct? Yeah, as you can imagine, I mean, it gets a little annoying when uh, you have a plethora of information that the both that the public doesn't know about and that you do know about, and when you go to your government looking for help or answers. Um, all you get is we're not going to help you. Um, so yeah, it's, it's quite devastating. You just kind of turn that into action as best you can and continue with the quest for justice, uh, for Tiffany Jenks, of, of course. Yeah. And I must say that you have definitely taken action trying to bring awareness to this, uh, unfortunate event. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Tiffany Jenks? Who, who was she and how did you meet her? Okay, well, uh, Tiffany was uh, 34, 33 years old when we met, and uh, she died at 35. Um, and she was at a rental house of mine, and one of my employees was talking to her and uh, was giving her a tour. Somehow she ended up in my office, and we started talking, and then uh, she was actually at that rental house to meet uh, the person that lived there, and uh, she kind of just never left. And so... Uh, we began, uh, in dating and that lasted, uh, off and on for 14 months. And, um, Tiffany was, um, highly educated, uh, and extremely, um, funny, beautiful, smart. And, um, but there were some issues that I couldn't understand and that had to do with something in her life that was going on. And, um, you know, I had taken her to treatment twice for her drinking and uh, trying to get her to uh, care more about what uh, what was going on in her life. But unbeknownst to me, there was something so much deeper than anybody could ever get for any. I mean, I suppose some people who have had extreme trauma, like, by the way, you mentioned Elisa E. I, I've spoken with her before um, after Tiffany died and uh you know, all of these people who are victims of mind control share that common bond of, of previous abuse. Yet what's so sad about it is, is it's all dismissed as hogwash. Um, and I think now that's kind of been my quest is to bring light to the term and to the facts surrounding mind control, because without people like Kathy O'Brien, who's also a mind control victim, or Cisco Wheeler and, and the such, uh, nobody would ever even know this is possible. And, and I get the idea that the general public dismisses mind control as some trivial joke. Um, but when we have more and more shootings at airports, for instance, the one recently in Florida where the gentleman said he was under mind control, um, then more people will be able to understand that 
okay, well, let's just pretend maybe it's possible. And that way we can kind of investigate the murders that are happening or the abuses that are happening to people that claim to be under mind control. So. Correct. In the early months of your courtship with uh, Tiffany, what were some of the things that maybe you noticed that, you know, maybe pointed to there something being wrong with Tiffany and what was and what she was going through? Okay, well, I, I personally didn't have any knowledge of any of this stuff, uh, but I can tell you now looking back, the person that's a victim of mind control will have um, missing days in their lives where where they're like basically absent, so to speak, where they kind of disappear for a day or two um, here and there, uh, but constantly here and there. And uh, they will have uh, very specific traits of not really having friends or family in their lives and not having any sense of purpose. Um, their sleep will be erratic. They will sleep in the cold at night. Um, and there's, there's really about a hundred things that I've kind of come to the conclusion based on talking to other mind control victims. Uh, and it certainly depends on the, the programming that the person's under, but with Tiffany, um, the phone would trigger her. And I, and I, and keep in mind, all of this is hindsight's 2020 at the time when I was living it, I just thought she was drunk and being mean, but like at the time she would, for instance, get a phone call and, um, you know, I don't know who it was from, but, and she would just literally come unglued about some, you know, preposterous concept. I don't even know. I don't, can't think of a particular instance, but yeah, I mean, Thanksgiving dinner would end up out on the street and it would be like, okay, uh, what has just happened here? But, um, and, 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 me and Tiffany had gone to Thailand together and uh, once she got her phone, because according to the authors of the, you know, books about mind control, they all have return to home programming in them. So, which means that under the mind control, they have to return back to where they live or where their controllers can handle them. So after Tiffany used the phone, even though she woke up, you know, saying, I love you so much and everything was great. That afternoon, on our third day of a two-week vacation, she had to take the first flight back to back to America. So, but all of those things I didn't understand at the time when I was when I was living with her. Why don't you tell me a little bit about what she did for a living? Because if I understand correctly, her uh, her profession had her, you know, deal with a, a very important job. Yeah, that's right. Before I met her, Tiffany had just finished quitting, uh, or you know, being forced out because of her drinking is what, you know, kind of happened. Um, but she was in full control of all the dams, uh, on the Columbia river as a scientist for the Bonneville power administration in Portland, Oregon, where their main office is. Um, so basically it was her job to raise and lower the water levels of the dams, uh, the Bonneville dam, Grand Coulee dam, and so on. Uh, you know, some of the largest dams in America. And uh, yeah, that was her job. And that's what she did. She ran the dams. And it, coincidentally, her, her father ran the Los Alamos Nuclear Laboratory. So a lot of people know about that. So That's really interesting. And reading a little bit about her history, it seems that the passing of her father, uh, at least uh, some people believe, may have had to do with her emotional state. Do you believe that that played a role into it? Well, I think you could program anybody now, now, but believe me, I never knew anything about this stuff. So, but I can program, no, I can, they can program anybody to do anything. 
did her father play a huge role in her demise? Absolutely, 100%. But what was weird about the situation with her father is, is that she talked about him nonstop. Now, all of us have deaths. I, and, and Tiffany was my first, by the way, first time I ever knew anybody to die other than my grandparents. But but when you grieve the loss of somebody, um, that's no excuse for saying, well, she was grieving her father's death. So therefore, it's OK if she died from murder, because if you watch the media accounts of her of her of her murder, everybody always talks about Tiffany and her murder. Nobody ever brings up the idea that she was killed. They only talk about, well, you know, Tiffany had a reason to die because her dad died. Or Tiffany had a reason to drink because her dad died. Yeah, but um, more importantly, she was murdered. And that's not related to her father's death as an excuse for the killers to get away with murder, you know. Yeah, of course. But could we perhaps develop a little on the idea of the family here and how they may tie into Tiffany and the weird things that were going on. How far were they involved? Because I can only presume that they were fully in yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I know that um, some an example of, uh, for instance, I had taken Tiffany to Thailand to try to make her see the light, if you will, or I guess it's kind of a bad word, but uh, kind of make her um, see that she should care about her life. I, we were going to go to Cambodia on uh, go to the temple and whatnot. But when she returned to America, her mom said, you failed to me. Okay. Well, that's great. Um, so in addition to that, when I first met Tiffany and I was worried about her safety and because she was drunk when I met her, I said, I emailed her family and I said, you know, your daughter slash sister's here. I'm worried about her. Tiffany said, when she woke up, she goes, you emailed my family. I'm like, well, yeah, I was worried about you. And she's like, guess what they said? I said, what? They asked, where did he learn how to spell? That's all they said. They didn't care, you know, either way. So, I mean, their their priority was not in line with the normal um, thinking. In addition to that, after Tiffany passed, um, they emailed me a picture of Tiffany dead, which was very upsetting, of course. They drove her dead body back five hours in their car to their home, which is kind of weird, and I thought it was illegal. They then gave me her ashes and then took me to court. So, I mean, and I was threatened many, many times. In fact, one email in particular that rings a bell, she, her mother said, John, if you don't stop investigating Tiffany's murder, we'll see you in court. And they did. They got a muzzle on me. And that's probably why most of the public doesn't even know about Tiffany's murder, because for a year and a half, I was unable to speak freely about the case, uh, which was later overturned in the Oregon Court of Appeals. Um, and I won. But uh, had I not had the money to win or the drive uh, or the tenaciousness, if you will, there's no chance in heck I would have been able to tell you guys the story today. That is mm-hmm. really strange. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm- coming from the family of. Yeah, basically what I want to do is, you know, backtrack a little and explain to the audience that the implication is that the family was a mind-controlled family. Uh, It's a a bloodline thing. It's something where it's not necessarily voluntary. I mean, usually it isn't voluntary. And um, when you're so far in it that your entire social circle, your family circle is basically that's all you know, um, it sounds like that's the situation she was in. Well, and, there, and, and being that her sister lied uh, 
so many times. I mean, you just watch the TV. Here's some weird things her sister said after Tiffany died. Tiffany was uh, happy about life and the role she would play in her future. So I thought that was really weird to say after Tiffany died. And then immediately following the murder, Tiffany's sister said, we had no idea where Tiffany was because she lived downtown. All we know is she had an abusive ex-boyfriend, and that was me. And so all along, they were setting me up on this murder to fail. Uh, and what happened was, is that, and, I, and I'll tell the story from the murder um, in a second, but, but what happened was the killers actually scanned their ID at the bar they went to that night. And one of the girls that was at the bar the following day that knew Tiffany knew me also and called me on the phone to ask if I had seen Tiffany. And so because the killers scanned their ID, they knew who the killers were. And here's a weird thing, too, that I don't want to forget to say. The police said after they uh, arrested or after they knew who the killers were, that there was no direct threat to the public, but they didn't know who the killers were. So all along, every comment that the police made, made zero sense to me. I mean, there's no threat to the public, but the killers haven't been caught. How is that possible? Right. That yeah. definitely doesn't make sense. John, take us to the night of this unfortunate event. The official story is that she just met these three individuals, two males and a female, randomly. She didn't know them previously. And this is all based on some surveillance footage that they have. And a short time later, Tiffany is dead. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll give you the police version first. And that is that, you know, Tiffany was just uh, lost her way. She was a drunk. She went bar hopping with these people and uh, wound up meeting some strangers. And the way the police could tell that she met them for the first time is because they all shook hands. That's how the police confirmed it on the video of which nobody's ever seen the video because they won't release it to me. But the claim is made that because Tiffany shook their hands, they all met for the first time. Now they said, the police said that they drove to a remote location after they went driving around and that Tiffany became so angry and the shooter became so angry at her that he decided he would just shoot her with the gun that he bought from the other two in the car that day on a promissory note. After the shooter came from California, shot Tiffany, and then the next day left. Now, that's the police version. Oh, by the way, and the police also claim that the two people that were in the car, that was their gun that they provided the shooter, they didn't hear the gun go off, but they went ahead and got back in the car, didn't know why Tiffany wasn't in the car, drove back, molested the nine-year-old that was the daughter of the Michelle Wharton Rosie. And uh, after that, and by the way, only one of them got charged for that. I understand how that's possible, but um, so they go back to the hotel, then they drop off the shooter at the Greyhound bus to take the first bus back to Oakland uh, where he was later arrested with $7,000 in cash in his pocket. So that's the police version of the story. And, uh, but the truth is this, um, Tiffany emailed me, John, they want me to die. John, Tony, Tyson, they're going to kill me. And so, and then she texts me, I'm going to die. And then she came over that night and she told me they want to kill me. And then she said three times, I'm not going to die tonight. I'm not going to die tonight. I'm not going to die tonight. She then later left my house the night of her death. Now mind, she came to my house under mind control. 
but she was fighting back the concept of mind control because she knew she was under their control to go die. And that's why the police don't want the public to know that I had recording of Tiffany saying three times she was going to die that night. And it's on my Facebook as well. And, and on the Tiffany Jenks murder Facebook also. But so Tiffany told me that they were going to kill her. And I said, Tiffany, why are you leaving? What, what, what I don't understand. So, but I thought she meant from drinking when she said, I'm not going to die tonight three times because often when she would drink alcohol, she said I had to drink more or I would die. So I thought at the time, that's what she meant. Now, she left my house that night, October 8th of 2013. Uh, it was actually the 7th. So it was just, just before turning of the 8th. She left my house about 11 and went to a hotel, checked in, and then walked across the street by herself under mind control to go die. She went to the bartender. She told the bartender, my life is over. She had two Dumbo rum and Cokes. He turned around and she was gone. So already you have two people that know for sure Tiffany's going to die before anything else is said. There's no chance the police are telling the truth because we were not taken to court for the trial. So Tiffany goes outside and it, and she meets these strangers at 1.43 a.m., according to police. However, they're not strangers. And I'll get into that in a minute. She's outside smoking by herself at 1.43 a.m. outside the bar. And at, at 2.11 a.m., the four people, the three killers and Tiffany, get in the car and drive away to kill Tiffany. Now she's under mind control. At this point, at 2.11 a.m., according to police, everybody's happy, 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 right? They all get in the car, no resistance, everything seems fine. At 2.30 a.m., some 19 minutes later, she's dead. So what the police are trying to get the public to believe is that these killers who had a gun, who scratched off the serial numbers off of the gun that day, met Tiffany for the first time, got in the car at 211, drove to Blue Lake Park, which is a 16-minute drive, and within that three-minute period became so angry at Tiffany they had no other choice but to shoot her in the head and leave. That's the story. But in reality, the police try to stretch the truth in every which direction so the public becomes unaware of what's real and what's not. But what we do know is the CCTV camera at the bar said 2.11 a.m. when they drove away, Tiffany was dead at 2.30. And so it becomes really easy to see the police are flat out lying. Uh, not to mention, uh, Tiffany knew she was going to die. She told people she was going to die. So when she did die, it was weird that I was the only one trying to, trying to tell the truth in her murder. And that, that, that goes right back to the occult, uh, uh, you know, her family being related to R.J. Reynolds Tobacco and, and that occult connection, if you will, that, that they don't care. They'll never care. And as long as they can shut me up and stop me from telling the truth, uh, you know, Tiffany will never get justice. So I was going to say, if we could backtrack a little and if you could explain to us what you know about the killer and his associates and how they came to be in Oregon and what they were doing there. Okay. Well, um, there was three killers total, two guys and a girl. Now the girl and the guy I called Michelle Warden Rosie and Joshua Robinette. I called a couple just because they were the ones that I believed to be under mind control that were also, um, protected by the courts, if you will. So there's a couple, Josh and Michelle and the shooter uh, who is, by the way, the only person that told the truth out of the whole case, not the DA, not the judge, nobody, only the shooter. 
And in his depositions in Oakland, California, after his arrest, Daniel Brunel said, we kidnapped Tiffany, that the couple, Josh and Michelle, set him up, got him totally wasted, and told him, if you don't shoot her, we'll shoot you. That was his words. But um, now, he was later sentenced in her murder but not under murder. I think it was pleaded down to like, uh, you know, manslaughter or something ridiculous. But, uh, and that was because the police took his testimony without him having a lawyer, I guess. But the more important part of this story is that the public doesn't realize Tiffany was set up to die. And that's why it's so key to this because Michelle and Josh both had connections to Tiffany and when Tiffany knew she was going to die, she recorded uh, uh, six recordings prior to her death. And technology had caught up with the Illuminati slash New World Order, whoever uh, was in control of her murder. Because although her iCloud was completely deleted out two days before her murder, what happened was Tiffany had my cell phone. And because she had my iPhone, when I reinvented that iPhone with Apple, and part as part of my investigation some six months later, here popped up six recordings that were absolute evidence in the murder. But they didn't want that evidence in the murder. Nobody did, the police or family. So I actually got taken to court to shut me up and to try to take my recordings from me. And I was like, no, nobody's taking any of it. And I took them to the Court of Appeals and won, which people can look that up in Oregon Court of Appeals uh, under my last name, Captain. But they ruled in my favor. And so that was only like 60 days ago. So clearly um, uh, this case has not been in the public's eye as much as it should have been because I was uh, unfairly stopped from telling the truth. Now, um, in terms of the killers, the three killers, you have Daniel Burnell, who was the shooter, and he is the one that told the truth. Like I said, he said he kidnapped Tiffany. In other words, when they left the bar, they told her they were going to take her to her hotel. And the DA never charged anybody for kidnapping. And if you're going to kill somebody, there's no reason to not throw in kidnapping on top of those charges. I mean, duh. And the killer said when they killed Tiffany... Uh, they went, and by the way, he got the gun from the two, Michelle and Josh, and they took off the serial numbers that day and then gave the gun for Tiffany to die. So, I mean, why would you take off the serial numbers if you're just going to sell the gun to this other guy? So, as it goes, is that uh, after they killed Tiffany, the shooter said he couldn't believe it, but the two, Michelle and Josh, were in the hotel having sex with Michelle's nine-year-old daughter of which joshua robinette was charged for child molestation uh but what i don't understand is how could the mother be in bed too as according to the shooter and his testimony to police in the uh, police records how is it possible that the mother didn't get child molestation charges as well but both josh and michelle were released out of jail after 13 months for murder for their part in the murder, rather, and they were not charged with murder. And that includes a $200 fine. So um, that was kind of uh, pathetic. And that's really what baffles me. I was reading a little bit about the story that the three individuals gave, and it really wasn't making much sense to me. I'm no weapons expert, but I believe that the story was that they were trying to sell a gun in order to be able to pay for a wedding 
and it was it was <laughs> yeah. it was somewhat hard to believe, right? It was a it's a it was a story that's Most hard to believe. Most people don't drive to a different state to sell a gun. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much a three fifty seven costs. Eleven there's, hours. There's plenty of people drive each way. <laughs> And a bus ticket each way because he had to pay ninety. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, well, not only that, but I got forgot to tell you that the shooter was caught with seven thousand cash in his pocket when he was arrested. And uh, and in terms of the connection to Tiffany, the Michelle and Josh, uh, here's their connection. Tiffany recorded Josh, and the recordings are on my uh, Facebook at John S. Captain or Tiffany Jenks Murder. And Tiffany recorded Josh talking about buying a gun. Tiffany also recorded Josh knowing her father, who had died in 2010. So that was clearly why the family didn't want any proof of that coming out. I mean, after all, if he knew the family, that pretty much uh, uh, solves this murder. And then more importantly, I knew somebody uh, named Bill from Bill's Town Car Service that drove Town Car Service in Portland, Oregon. And his driver, Michelle warden Brosey. Now, Tiffany had driven with uh, Bill many times because uh, I talked to her about her thousand dollar receipt for a month's worth of car driving around because she didn't drive, and uh, at one point, so I knew for sure that he she had used Bill many times. Uh, in fact, she drove her around sometimes to my house. But um, my point is um, that Michelle Warden Brosey, who worked for Rose City Mortuary which is kind of freaky. Uh, whoever does that, I mean, no offense, but I couldn't do it. But um, so Michelle had some kind of a, you know, death fetish of some sort. I don't know. That's at least what the DA tried to claim, but anybody with a legal background or anybody who takes the time uh, to read into Tiffany's murder, the DA and the judge never told the truth. And in fact, if you look at the facts of this case, there were five witnesses posted, uh, uh, I mean, uh, submitted for evidence in the murder, five people that were supposed to testify. The three killers, Tiffany, who was dead, and me, and I was excluded from the courtroom. So, you know, if you have a murder and the only, per- the bartender wasn't called and he said she was going to die, she left my house telling me she was going to die. So there's two people right there that you have to have in a murder case, right? Correct. Period. And the three killers are not good witnesses to a murder because they're the killers, right? So we don't want to take their advice. But at minimum, the bartender and me should have been called as a witness to her murder. But, you know, when you're trying to hide the murder from the public, I mean, let me just say this. If they get charged with murder, it has to be conspiracy to commit murder if you have me in the courtroom. And, and it's not a problem at all unless, you know, we live in a society where it's an eye for an eye or, you know, but in the, the system that we all respect and use, when there's a murder and you have facts to a murder, you call the police, you give them the clues, and you expect them to do their job. In this case, it's the opposite. They worked very, very, very hard at stopping me and getting the killers out of jail to kill again. And listen, I actually want to play this clip that you mentioned in which uh, we hear Tiffany speaking with Josh about having to get a new gun and this is a a pretty powerful piece of evidence because it establishes that she did know at least this individual prior to the night of her murder contradicting the official story from the police so I'm just going to hit play here and and I think I I want listeners to also listen out for 
anything weird they may think about him because I, I get the vibe that he is equally under some sort of trance or mind control because the way they're talking about this is like they know what they're talking about. All right, so here we go. Yeah. Let's give this a listen. I gotta go buy a new gun. I I'll never, off. I'll never. I threw mine off the bridge. <laughs> good. You know, good. I'm glad. Um, hey. I'll I'm never... in a much stabler area than I was now, so I don't worry about having a firearm now, but then I was pretty unstable, so. Josh, do me a favor. Don't ever kill yourself. That's why you liked my dad. <sighs> remember what? That's why you liked my dad. <sighs> remember what, what he wrote? I mean, the first night I met you. Okay, John, tell us a little bit, because obviously for the people that maybe have not read everything about this case, there's a lot of things there that, that might fly over people's heads. And I think there's at least two things in there that are quite important to know, but I'll let you uh, tell us a little bit. What are we hearing in these 30 seconds of clips that, that you retrieved from a recording that Tiffany Jenks did prior to her death? Okay, well... um, Basically, Tiffany recorded, um, like I said, six recordings total. And that one, Joshua Robinette, whom uh, Tiffany's hairdresser confirmed it was Josh Robinette. Um, he says uh, that he's going to go out and purchase a new gun. Now, um, so we know for sure, or we can establish from that audio, that Tiffany knew Josh. And by the way, she was fearful for her life. So if there's any question about why she recorded him, Duh. She thought he was going to kill her. And she went on to tell her therapist this, and we're going to play that recording next, I believe. But um, the bottom line was is that Tiffany knew they wanted to kill her. She didn't know who she could trust. And now more than ever, I can see why, because now look at how they attacked me to stop me from telling Tiffany's story. But that recording was Josh, and uh, that now proves 100% without question. So you can imagine when I got these recordings, how excited I was to tell her family. Correct. So, but it was really odd when nobody cared. And, uh, then I was taken to court to shut me up, which once you have for sure concrete evidence of that they're lying, there's really nothing more to talk about with them. I mean, I was done at that point, but I did send them all the recordings and, uh, later they called it harassment. So, wow. <laughs> That's wow. kind of weird. Yeah. Also in that recording at the end, we hear her mention that, uh, Josh knows her father, Tiffany's father, uh, which is something, I guess, that also contradicts the official story because there is further evidence that, you know, she It shows knew. you that they knew each other and they have known each other, you know, for a while. Yeah, and I was surprised. That's a bit shocking. And she you calls had, him Josh as if he were a friend. Yeah, I mean, there is no... Uh, you could tell by the tone of the conversation, the yeah, that they're quite, quite friendly with yeah. each other. But prior to this, you had never heard of this guy, Josh, right? No, no, I, you know, I never met any of her friends. I met her sister before and I met, uh, you know, three or four of her friends during that 14 months. But for the most part, you know, I'm real busy with my own stuff. So I never really, and I, and I don't go to bars really. So, but no, I never met Josh or Michelle or Daniel Burnell ever. And, um, but I do know for sure Tiffany knew Josh based on the recordings. And I didn't know this, of course, until six months after she died. But, um, and, and, you know, I want to say um, that how all this came about, by the way, is I was in a restaurant and I had these recordings, but they didn't mean anything to me. And, and it, this leads into the, um, 
recording with the therapist, her Tiffany's therapist, uh, downtown Portland. But I had these recordings from her therapist and they didn't mean anything to me because they were all so weird. I mean, I've heard of therapy, but nothing like this. And so one day I was in a restaurant and this guy was talking in the restaurant and I just, you know, I was like, Hey, uh, what's your radio show? And he told me, you know, Clyde Lewis ground zero. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Hey, listen to this recording I have of Tiffany and uh, my girlfriend that died. And he didn't know who Tiffany was. I just said it was my girlfriend passed away or whatever. And this recording that I had, the therapist is going tap, tap, tap with a pen. And he says, uh, follow the all brick road. And Clyde Lewis about had a heart attack when he heard it. It meant everything. I mean, he knew everything. He knew everything that they were talking about, as, you know, as far as like, uh, you know, mind control type programming. Uh, so that was the first day. Six months after her murder was the first day I began to understand that Tiffany was a victim of mind control. And uh, then everything took a turn. Uh, I then was able to go back on all the words that she had spoken to me, gatekeeper, time stopper, heart of darkness and, and demons and all these things that I had never heard of, um, you know, that there's two worlds and that, you know, in terms of the dams, a lot of people are going to die and, and, you know, all this weird stuff that I had, but it didn't mean anything to somebody who's not in the occult world or has not studied anything in this occult, uh, if you will, Illuminati, New World Order, whatever lifestyle. Um, yeah, so I don't expect anybody to really get any of it until they get an understanding that A, mind control is real, B, Tiffany was a scientist running the dams, C, they murdered her and they're all lying, and D, they paid a lot of money already to try to shut me up and uh, it ain't working so far, but that it's important that America gets this case because for the first time in history, I believe at least I could be wrong. There's actual proof of mind control where the doctor goes tap, 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 follow the Elbrick road. So, and you know what, we're going to play that right now because this is also a very uh, telling clip in this clip. As John mentioned, you're going to hear a series of taps. I believe there are four tappings. And then there's a, there's a bit of an odd, exchange there between the therapist and Tiffany. It will be difficult to yeah. decipher the words, but um, just try your let, best. Let me, to- let me say what it is to um, the important parts of this. Okay. So he's putting her into or pulling her out of mind control and Tiffany's voice. And I know people aren't used to her voice, but her voice will change to a baby and it will sound like I did know that. And she talks about being a dark angel. Okay, so the therapist can go tap, tap, tap. Tiffany, if you knew who you were from when you were young, it would not be a good thing. And she goes, I did it. So that's that's the uh, that's what you're going to hear. This is her recording it on her iPad in or in her uh, purse. Here we go. Tiffany. If you knew who you were from when you were young, it would not it would not be a good thing. I was and I feel alone story. Yes, I'm sure you do. I'm not alone like a you're a dark angel. I don't think I'm a dark angel. I don't think I'm a dark angel. It doesn't matter when you made me 
That is so bizarre. That last bit about I don't think I'm a dark angel. Yes, she asks, you know, um, are you a dark angel? Yeah. He says, I don't think I'm a dark angel, and she says, I don't think I'm a dark angel too. And we have seen this theme, you know, reoccurring again and again in this topic of mind control, especially with whistleblowers like Elisa E, who talk about this very, you know, mysterious realm for. <laughs> the the majority of the public and it does seem utterly bizarre but there is something going on there because it is not a coincidence that these words angels demons etc keep reoccurring i haven't been to a, a therapist i know a lot of people would say that i should go see a therapist <laughs> but i you know i don't i i don't have a, a whole lot of experience with therapists i know people that have been to therapists and to be honest i have never heard anybody tell me that this is the type of stuff that gets discussed in therapy so it's definitely something that is, that is it's not, not normal. that's outside the norm yeah. i would i would imagine uh, as far yeah, as yeah and i mean especially especially when the therapist says tiffany don't ever tell anybody who you are because if you do it'll make you a target and targets get shot at first yeah yeah she yeah. went on to say that she was going to die and that um you know, either that or she was going to kill herself. And the therapist says, well, you need to turn direction, you know, try to do better or something like that. And Tiffany says, it's too late. I can't. And he goes, well, then why are you even here? Wow. Tiffany says, watch it. You're going to watch it with me. It's not going to be all like vampires and, and stuff like that on the recordings. And then he goes, I will watch it with you. So whatever this is, I don't know. This was all four days before she was dead. And you see, I was never supposed to necessarily end up with these recordings. It's not like she said, hey, John, these are for you. This was all found in the investigation. And believe me, they deleted her iCloud out two days before she was dead. So, and, and what people don't know, and I'm just here to tell you because, I mean, I experienced it myself. Even ap after Apple did everything they could to help me with the investigation, even after her mother had given me the passwords to her account and then later lied to the judge and said I hacked into him illegally. But she gave me Tiffany's nickname, which was Tiffernini, which I could have never guessed that, but she emailed it to me. And she emailed me her favorite uh, school teacher from sixth grade, which is Chuck Steves. So those types of words I could have never imagined in, the, in a lifetime. But I had her credit card numbers and all those sorts of things. But it wasn't until I rebuilt phone that Tiffany had of mine that it put those applications back on the iPhone and magically turned it on and off and there were six recordings uh, re relevant to her murder. That's incredible. That incredible. I'm so glad you did get them. Uh, and me, I'm so glad to. It, it changed everything because in the recordings what I learned was is that she went to him in love. She was in love with me and I was in love with her. So it proved to me that um, although, you know, certainly she was not okay and she got killed, at least she had love and and, uh, and I equally loved her. And I don't know if we do have this recording on file, but um, another quote, and this was said by the therapist, I don't know who you are and you should never tell anybody who you are. And at this point, I think we need to delve into the idea that he may have been a handler and we also need to explain to the audience that handlers tend to be at least in my knowledge mind control victims themselves and, and you know a lot of the a lot of the 
stuff that's going on in America in terms of, uh, you know, violence and, you know, the psychoticness of people driving over people and trucks and killing people at airports and Gavin Long, who killed the police in Baton Rouge. And all of these people are having the same theories being said that they're under mind control. And I think that Tiffany's murder, if the public takes the time and pretends it's a Netflix movie and actually cares, they will find the most uh, pathetic murder investigation ever held by any government worker. And here's the thing, just get over the fact that they spent $500,000 investigating her murder and the killers got a $200 fine. That should outrage people. Uh, John, we're going to take a top of the hour break here in just a few minutes, but I just want to ask you about, I believe it's the family of Tiffany Jenks. They, you know, they also have a Facebook page where they pretty much stick with the official story. However, I believe it was their light, the, yeah, their last post. They admit at Tiffany Truth on Facebook, I believe. Yeah. They admit Uh, the simple truth. Yeah. Yeah. They admit that. The case does have some oddities. Uh, that, there, that, that's not her family, by the way. Okay. That's uh, Richard Love, Tiffany's handler. And uh, he, um, of course, they want to say every single possible thing. See, here's the great thing about this story. It's mm-hmm. not my story. I'm only telling you the facts of Tiffany's case. None of this is about John. They can make it about John if they want. I'm not talking about, oh, poor pity John. I'm simply saying Tiffany recorded her killer. Tiffany recorded her therapist. I'm just the delivery of the information. So they can say whatever they want about me, but it has to revert back to, you you know, Tiffany's dead. That's all that matters. Yeah, it's true. John, I'm going to ask you just to hang on the line for a few minutes while we play a couple of songs. And when we get back, I want to talk to you about the beginning of your quest to find answers to this and where this journey has led you to. And some of the things that you have learned and encountered along the way. So if you'd be so kind to just to hang on the line and we'll get right back in just a few minutes. Sounds good. All right, guys, don't go away. West of Rockies is coming right up in just a few minutes. We're talking to John Captain tonight about the death of Tiffany Jenks and the mystery surrounding her death. We're going to go out with uh, one of my favorite tracks. It's called Under the Milky Way by The Church. West of the Rockies is coming right up in just a few minutes. the second hour west of the rocky sound frank thank you guys for sticking around i know it's late but we have a, a really fascinating show going on tonight as always i'm engineer frank on twitter west of the rockies on facebook you can find genevieve genevieve Uway on twitter you want to learn how to spell that go to our website wotrradio.com it'll be a lot easier than me sitting here doing my abcs <laughs> um don't forget to subscribe That's to our youtube you channel spell it, yeah. Uh, yeah my <laughs> spelling is pretty lousy uh don't forget to sign up to our youtube channel you can just go to youtube.com for slash wtr radio and also find us on itunes stitcher tuning all that good stuff uh sign up don't forget to sign up absolutely our guest tonight is we've got john captain john the captain third. is our guest on the air and he is 
he is here to bring justice to his girlfriend's mother, Tiffany Jenks. And, you know... People maybe are listening to this show thinking like, you know, this is ridiculous. This can't happen. Uh, and, you know, during the break, I was just thinking about two is instances that came to mind where the, the shooters themselves have claimed to have been, or at least one for sure I know, claimed to have been under mind control. Mm -hmm. One being, uh, where's my notes here? Uh, Saran Saran, who shot Robert Kennedy. Yep, yep. And... uh Mark David Chapman, who uh, shot John Lennon. Mm -hmm. Both are mm -hmm. believed to have been under some type of mind control programming, which is what drove them to, to cause these murders. That's the thing. The, the people that are in control can just, you know, wipe their hands off everything because <laughs> the people that get put in jail... I often feel are not the people. Yeah, they're the, the they're that, the patsies. Yeah, they're the they're, fall guys. Yeah, they're the pawns in the game. And this is something that we see with Tiffany Jenks' case, correct? Where and that's the, the shooter part. Daniel is in jail, facing I believe it was like an 18 year sentence, and Joshua and Michelle, who were at the very least accomplices, mm -hmm. at the very least. Um, I believe only got probation. Let me get John back on the line. Maybe, maybe he can give us a little bit more uh, insight into that. John, is it, did I get that correct? We only have one person in jail, and the other other two, I believe, they only got probation for their uh, role in the murder. Correct? Yeah, I mean, they got thirteen months and a and a two hundred dollar fine. And the shooter himself, who, by the way, is the only one in this whole case out of you know all the police, all the DA, the courts. He is the only person who told the truth. So when you have a DA who's a liar or a, or a judge or a cop, doesn't that bother, you know, everything we stand for in terms of justice? When the DA stood up there and lied, see, he never, he never told anything at all about the murder. Not one word. Wow. And in fact, uh, when you listen to the media, when you listen to uh, any of the statements ever made, not one of the three people ever said a word, not a word. That is not a word. And so they never even said, sorry. <laughs> wow. At least the shooter said, I am a piece of, you know what? There's nothing I can say to her family. I'm worthless to everybody in the world. I mean, he was like straight up honest. He said, they said either shoot her or we shoot you. And so it goes right in line with what uh, Genevieve was saying about uh, how it gets passed off. Do you really think that Tiffany just wandered to the bar by herself to go die and she just had bad luck and they took off the serial numbers that day and they, you know, came from California, shot her and then went home that day that just, you know, hours after they shot her, he caught the bus at 11 a.m. You know, they shot her at 2.30 a.m. So it was what, you know, seven hours mm -hmm. later, 10 hours later. So you have to believe so many things to not get this case that it becomes overwhelming at, to, to say the least. And in terms of the, the simple truth about Tiffany Jenks murder, there's nothing truthful about that page. And although they now three years later claim, well, there might be some, a few things that don't make sense. They've known every single part of this murder since day one. I have only been telling it to the public for the last year and a half, but right up until the minute I got a restraining order against me, I was telling the truth to the murder to them directly see so this idea that it just comes to light now is just simply untrue tiffany's murder case has been pathetic since the very second she was murdered 
And uh, the lies started day one. I was set up on her murder. That didn't work out. They were trying to protect the killers. When they finally caught the killers, because they accidentally released some, uh, the police accidentally released something they weren't supposed to. So they knew who the killers were. They didn't make an arrest for 10 days, even though they knew who the killers were. So the public should be outraged at that. They got the killers. They know for sure that the two, Michelle and Josh, were molesting her nine-year-old daughter because Josh got tried and convicted of child molestation for that after they shot Tiffany. So what better way to celebrate a murder than to go molest a kid? That is, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It really is. And it made the shooter sick, by the way. It made wow. the shooter, he said, in his deposition to police in California, which I would love to get the audio recordings of that if anybody does good FOIA requests. But, I mean, I would really love to hear his actual words because the written version that the police uh, released always says inaudible, but I don't believe it. So, but he says the shooter, Daniel Burnell, uh, in Oakland, California, is where he was uh, you know, questioned by the Portland police and the Oregon State Police. He said that when he saw them in bed with the child having sex, he got sick. So when you can make a, a, a shooter sick, you know that, you know, at least he at least he told the truth. I still fully get the the vibe that all three of them were mind control victims and that the shooter was someone who was trying to come clean. You know, he was accepting it and trying to essentially tell the truth and no one wanted to hear the truth. But he was That's aware right. of what was happening to him. He was aware of, you know, who was controlling him. And he just told everyone that. And it it seems to have, you know, not been significant to anyone. Also, he he is the least of my worries in terms of this murder. What I want to know, and, and this may be the very first time in the history of the world, I want to know who paid to kill Tiffany because it sure as heck that shooter did not have 7,000 cash on him. Josh had an envelope full of money on him and, uh, you know, undisclosed amount. And of course, but who paid these people to kill Tiffany? There is a lot of inconsistencies here. Let me ask you about, obviously, you know, you come across these recordings and you fly literally to the other side of the world, to New Zealand, to meet with uh, David Icke, who I'm sure a lot of listeners of this show are familiar with. And for those who are not, um, you know, he's a speaker and a researcher and, you know, he proposes a lot of uh, fascinating and interesting theories and ideas. And he has some knowledge, well, he has more than some knowledge, I think, of, of mind control and and trauma-based mind control programs and things of that nature why did you uh choose to fly all of this way to meet david i did you find the answers you were looking for when you went out there well i think initially um fritz springmeyer who's an author of mind control is the one that told me that tiffany was for sure a monarch slave for the new world order okay. and uh at that point, when I read his book that he gave me, I spent about a month and a half around Fritz. Um, and that book told me every single thing I ever could have asked for in terms of Tiffany's life. And when I read it, I was just like, this is exactly what she was doing and said and wrote about it. And I mean, it was just spot on. Once I knew about that, um, I was really seeking, trying to find answers about, um, 
you know, how to expose this criminal element that's going on because I was not getting the media attention that I needed in America. I, I think, oh, I know. And also I had a restraining order against me. That didn't help. But uh, once that was gone, but I went to um, some mind control conventions, first in Italy, Spain, uh, and I learned a lot from people who were under mind control. Spoke with uh, Kathy O'Brien over the internet and, and uh, Vanessa, who's the mother of... Max Spears and, and other people like Elisa that you had on your show and trying to get a better understanding because I'm coming at it from one person only. I'm just like thinking about it from the point of Tiffany, but I had to understand it more when I met with David Ike and his son. Um, you know, they told me a lot of things and they, I gave them copies of all the evidence. They then referred me to go on the Richie Allen show. So I flew to, um, Manchester, um, and met with him for several days and then did a show with him. And, and certainly, you know, both of them have a, a lot of knowledge as I'm sure you two both do too, a lot more than me in terms of all the stuff, because I had no idea that this stuff was even real. I had the proof it was real. I just didn't know how to decode it. So, you know, tap, 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 follow the yellow brick road to the public. I mean, shouldn't mean all that much unless I tell you, and I'm here to tell you, it means Tiffany was put under mind control, period. And uh, more importantly, now you take that proof that you have that it's, it's even remotely possible Tiffany was under mind control. You put that with her murder and or her job at the dams and everything changes because now you have to reevaluate why are the police lying, why are the courts lying, and why were her killers let out of jail to kill again? Uh, what I want people to realize is that this is not just somebody going through the stages of grief. You are investing a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of money trying to get this message out. And I think it's really important to people to really get that across because I know that people will listen to this show and, you know, as I encourage people to do, do their own research. And I know they're going to come across some websites and some Facebook pages that are going to be telling them otherwise. But the vibe that we get here, at least, is that you're definitely, you know, you're not doing this to promote a book or to promote, you know, a, a documentary or anything like yeah, that. Of this course, is the, a, first, a, the first questions that come to mind are was, you know, is he crazy? Is he just, <laughs> you know, going out of his mind because of the grief? And you have sure. very succinctly explained in your various um you know youtube uploads <laughs> that the grief the crying it's been done i mean this was 2013 right uh, this was a while ago yeah. and you have already gone through that i mean and i don't pe want people to get the wrong idea because you're just you know telling the facts as they are john let me ask you because you said you spoke to max spears uh, mother And for the people that are not familiar with Max Spears, uh, he was a UFO researcher who died under very, very strange circumstances. There's a lot of questions still lingering as to what happens to Max Spears. You know, everything from a phone call that he made prior to his death to his mother, which echoes something that Tiffany did with you. If I, if I remember correctly, she also tried to get a hold of you, I believe the night before she died or, you know, really close to her death. But why don't you tell me why did you approach uh, Max Spears' mother 
and how did that case resonate with what you were dealing with? Yeah, well, Vanessa um, uh, was on the Richie Allen show, I think, either right before or right after me, uh, about the death of her son. And, you know, I felt compelled to reach out to her and let her know that um, I'm here for her. And I asked her, I said, do you want me to tell you what you're going to go through when you investigate this murder from a standpoint of, you know, because if your loved one dies, don't you feel you have a moral obligation or maybe even the option to investigate a murder of that person? But when you're not the family, it's different for me. But with Vanessa, I wanted to tell her the hundred things that I learned from getting attacked not like what you said, you know, he's some crazy guy or whatever could possibly be out there in the internet. You know, you know, everything from, you know, Tiffany's a drunk, Tiffany's on crack, John's a drug dealer, whatever they can come up with is pathetic. But I wanted to let Vanessa know some of the things to expect and some of the ways to, um, you know, uh, be able to come to conclusions based on investigative techniques that I used with Apple uh, on devices or, you know, getting, for instance, one thing I did, which was uh, turned out to be an excellent uh, technique, was I paid the people who had Tiffany's old phone, her old cell phone. So as soon as Tiffany's phone was released to a new person, I was able to then text to get the code to get into her iCloud, of which unfortunately was deleted out. But if you don't have access to their PIN number, I mean, excuse me, to the to their cell phone you then can't text for the code to get into somebody's account. And so all of these types of things that Vanessa needed to help uh, solve her son's murder was key to uh, her investigation. And I mean, she's still working on it and, and uh, she's of course highly devastated and, and should be. And uh, as you may know, or as I told you today, today a, a BBC documentary came out and I've reached out to her to find out her opinion about it because I've, I've gotten mixed reviews from it. Uh, some people are upset about it, but it's called Fractured, by the way. It's by BBC and it's a documentary. And he was a mind control victim just like Tiffany was. So um, they share some resemblance. And another thing too is that both of their murders are covered up. And so, you know... I see how they badmouth Max and how they badmouth Tiffany after she was dead. I mean, when you listen to the newsreels, uh, you never hear anything about the killers. You only hear how Tiffany lost her way and she was a drunk and she had a bad boyfriend and she was just stupid and, and uh, nothing at all about the murder. It's anything they can do to divert your attention to anything but the murder. And so it becomes real obvious. And I told Vanessa, most importantly, whatever you know today, don't forget it because they'll try to make you think you're crazy or you're stupid or you're, you can't write well or whatever the case may be, but to focus only on the facts and just keep putting it out there. And, and there are lots of murders that are related to mind control. He's one of them. Um, I would also like people to check out Gavin Long the uh, gentleman who was the murderer at the Baton Rouge, he killed the police, the black man. He was a mind control victim. And the, the way they messed up CNN messed up is in the article that they wrote about him, they called, they said he was seeking counseling for covert harassment. Now, for those of you that don't know, that's the European version. And so when you go to a convention in Europe, it's all called covert harassment over there. 
but in America, we call it mind control. Wow. So here this guy was sent to kill the police under mind control and uh, the Florida shooting too. You know, the guy said he was a CA mind control person also. So we're getting lots of people coming together with the idea that they're under mind control. But Tiffany actually went one step further. She knew they were, she was under mind control. She knew that she was running the dams under mind control and she knew they wanted her dead. And so even though she had reached out to me uh, and clearly I was mentally unavailable for her to convey her message to because I had no idea that this stuff was real and she didn't like, you know, specifically say mind control. She did to her therapist and all that's online. You can read, you can uh, watch that at John S. Captain on Facebook or Tiffany Jenks murder on Facebook as well. I want to go to another recording and this one um, it's, it's, another very very telling piece of evidence and this is a recording where i believe she's talking again with her therapist and they're having a discussion of a war that's going on between light and dark and again a very very strange topic to be discussed in a therapy session i believe so i'm gonna play this and then uh john i want to i want you to explain to us a little bit more about what was going on here because this story also branches out a bit into the paranormal so let me just play this this yeah. uh, 30 second recording and then we'll uh we'll get your take on it let me explain it to you in a different way. there's a war going between the light and the dark. And people that are of the light are being attacked by people of the dark. And I will tell you, that's going to get a lot worse. You know who I am. I don't know who you are, and you should never tell anybody who you are. Alright? Nobody that doesn't know doesn't need to know. You know why? Because it will make you a target. And a targets get shot at first. To those who couldn't clearly hear that, um, the transcript goes something like this. Let me explain to you in a different way. There is a war going on between the light and the dark, and people that are of the light are being attacked by people of the dark. I'm going to tell you that it's going to get a lot worse. I don't know who you are, and you should never tell anybody who you are. Nobody that doesn't know doesn't need to know. You know why? Because it will make you a target and targets get shot at first. Uh, John, this is a very, I mean, I got chills listening to, to that clip. It, 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 yeah. You know, she sounds very distraught. She sounds very vulnerable. And the therapist is talking about yeah. something and I she don't interjects even know. With, I know, yeah. I know, I know continuously so she is completely aware and she is um she knows what he's talking about this is nothing new to her and that's what we should be questioning yeah john tell us yeah a little bit about this this clip well the most important part about this is that this recording has been around since six months after her murder there were two sessions 190 minute 148 minutes of which he says many things that are telling uh that he is a part of this new world order. Um, and uh, the issue is not only that he said it, but that people are covering it up. And so 
how can I tell the public or the police or the DA or the judge that I have proof to a murder when they tell me that they're not going to help me? They just, they just flat out say they're not going to help. But this was four days before she was dead. This is not this, this recording that you just played and him saying you're going to get or targets get shot at first. And then out of all ways to die in the whole world, right? She didn't come up missing. She didn't, you know, end up in the lake drowned. She was shot. So either this guy's really smart or he knew that she was going to be shot. I mean, how many times have you told a friend of yours or uh, anybody that, hey, don't do this or you'll get shot. And then four days after you say that, they're dead from a gunshot. Right, right. That's that's just a huge coincidence. Now, uh, the family initially tried to say that that wasn't Jonathan, uh, her therapist downtown Portland. However, at the end of the recording, she says, Jonathan, I love you. What's your address or where you look? Where's your office? And she says, and he, excuse me, he says, two blocks that way, 1130 Southwest Morrison. And so there was never a question about whether that was him. And in fact, it's been verified by other people that have called him to talk, uh, that were investigators for me, that called to talk to him, that clearly recognized the voice as being Jonathan, uh, Tiffany's therapist. But most important of all, why hasn't he come forward and why hasn't the state of Oregon followed up on the three requests I made to investigate these audio recordings of the therapist? It's not my job. I'm not, I'm not a state of Oregon investor of therapists, but when you have a therapist talking about somebody getting shot and Tiffany telling him she's going to die and he doesn't report that even after she's already dead, that's odd to me. It is beyond, beyond odd to say the least. I am no expert in law enforcement, but I know, you know, shortly after somebody goes missing or, or, you know, passes away, the first people that they speak to and, and unfortunately the, the first people to get on the list of suspects is the, that person's immediate family and friends because they're the ones they had chances are had contacts with you know the person that passed away last yeah and i find really interesting that you were practically just shut out of the whole investigation even before the murder happened it seems like the therapist was already kind of putting things inside tiffany's head that were negative towards you i actually wanted to play a clip yeah where- i think you even think it's suspicious that they didn't class you as a suspect because I believe you have some training and or at least know a little bit about criminal law. And it is the norm to suspect that the lover may have been, you know, a suspect in the case. Yeah. And I was okay with the idea that they would have had to have investigated me because I was so distraught. None of it would have mattered anyways. I was oblivious to what they would have been saying. But I'll tell you what, the second they didn't care to ask me what I did the minute Tiffany left my home, I mean, I went to college for you now three years for criminal justice, but I mean, I'm by no means, you know, an expert, but when it happens to you, okay, so what has happened? Tiffany told me she's going to die. That should be all that matters. And so when that's not getting told, you're going, what is going on here? Why are, you know, what is really happening? Why are they not telling the truth? And everybody around me, you know, these people that became my friends, unfortunately, or even my own family at the time. Oh, John, don't worry. They always do that in a case like this. They always don't tell the truth. You know, like the public's supposed to just, you know, 
hear a side story and then the truth will come out in court. That's what right. I kept getting told. But I wasn't standing for that. But yeah, you can play that clip if you want. Yeah, let me play this clip because this is also very interesting. It's, it's another clip of Tiffany with uh, with her therapist. And uh, yeah, let's let's listen to this one. So, you know, what you have with this guy is it's like taking acid for the first time or taking something that changes the way you view your reality. Yeah, every word that you say is different. And so the thing is, you're attached to it. But let me tell you, this person is not even worth thinking about. How do you know that? Because this person can take the world. Yeah, you know, in this clip, you hear the therapist say that, and I believe he's referring to to you, John, that yeah. you yeah, are yeah. like taking acid for the first time and you're not <laughs> worth uh, thinking <laughs> about. Absurd. And she says, yeah. you know, well, how do you know that? And I think the recording kind of cuts off as she says something along the lines that you, you know, John could save, the, the, could yeah, save the world. This person could save the world. Yeah. Uh, tell me yeah. a little bit about this recording and, and what is happening there. Because again, and listen, I can't even imagine if the person I love appears dead and then I, I come across recordings with this type of subject matter. I don't know. I don't know if I, I would be mentally strong enough to handle <laughs> and try to put this stuff together. Uh, but why don't you tell me a little bit of what's happening here? And, and yeah, and I just really want to just get your take on it. How did you deal losing this woman you love and finding these recordings that point to uh, more or less a conspiracy going on? Well, you know, and, and, and in following up what Genevieve said about like, you know, the crying and stuff, um, that hasn't even started yet, to be honest with you. I'm numb. I can't believe that America is this pathetic and that the therapist can still be a therapist right now talking about this to the next girl. I can't believe that somebody can get shot in the head and the killers get away with murder. I can't believe that they get a $200 fine after most people pay taxes their whole life thinking that they're protected by the police and the government. But when I got the recordings, um, it in some ways saved my life because I was um, so distraught after she died and I did not understand anything as to why that the police were lying, the government was lying, you know, the courts were lying. When I met Clyde Lewis and I played for him the recordings and I found out Tiffany was a monarch slave for the New World Order and that that's why she ran the dams and that that's why they killed her because she was falling in love outside the cabal, if you will, everything changed because then I had answers that I was looking for. And it wasn't like I went out looking for answers. I wasn't saying, what does tap, 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 follow the Albrecht Road mean? I didn't know. So, I mean, anybody who types it in Google, and now, now that I know, I know, but um, you will find the answer right there. Tap, 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 follow the Albrecht Road. I mean, or uh, Illuminati. And so, but when I got the recordings, it told me every single reason why everything was such why Tiffany was telling him she was going to die while she said, you know, in terms of her job at the dams uh, and, and, and all of those sorts of things and why her family didn't care that I had these recordings of Tiffany calling me crying for help. I mean, I, I guess, you know, I look at the, the most recent, 
there was two girls murdered in America recently, and they're showing this picture of a guy that's kind of blurry, and, and I don't know what their names are, but these two girls were murdered, and the family is just desperately seeking help for this case of this murder. And here I have a plethora of information that's just not – it's not John stuff, okay? This is for a murder, and nobody cares. And so it's it's really odd, but I know for sure that Tiffany's a good person, and I know for sure that I have an obligation to society to tell the truth in her murder, and I know they have an obligation as cult members to try to stop me. So here I am in the middle of this um, investigation, and I'm having to battle the people that should be standing up for Tiffany, not stopping me from telling the truth. You don't see them talking. You, they don't have a Facebook page about the killers. Right. They don't care that the nine-year-old daughter of, the, of Michelle was molested at the hotel and left alone while they went out to kill Tiffany. Nobody talks about that. They have a whole page dedicated that's the simple truth, but it's not the truth at all. And so you get this feeling like there's something weird going on here because normally a family would care when somebody's shot in the head. Correct. Uh, can you tell me why... Do you think that the therapist and the clip we just play, why would he be referring to you in this way to Tiffany? Did they feel that you might interfere with whatever plans they had for Tiffany at that point? Well, 50% of the recordings which uh, are which were made talked about how Tiffany was in love. She said, um, he made me believe in true love. She said that, you know, he's different and, and she, why can't she have love in her life and like that. And, and he says to her, you know, in one of the things she goes, what do I do? And she goes, lose any friends you have, no temptations, delete everybody out of your phone. And, you know, he says, you do need to follow the path. And he says, this is Jonathan, her therapist speaking. If you think your time is short, like you said, two or three times, you need to clean up your shit and get it down. You need, you need to, you know, basically, you need to get everybody out of your life and get ready for this event, which of course this was four days before she was dead. And so all along what she's talking to him about is love. She said over and over, he made me believe in true love. Now that's not to say that I'm perfect or great. I'm, I'm, it's not even about me. It's only to get into Tiffany's head and to figure out why the therapist was trying to stop her. The Illuminati and the mind control stuff, They don't have room for outsiders and they don't have room for love. She had an agenda. Her agenda was to run the dams for the new world order. When she turned left instead of right, all of a sudden they had a problem because when I met her, and this is really important for people to note. When I met her, I found out that the 12 months prior to me knowing her 12 months total of time, she had $192,000 in medical related expenses for suicide attempts and pills. And I'm talking thousands of pills. So when I met Tiffany, I 100% got her away from all of that. 100%. I took her treatment twice. And so this idea that she was just great before she met me and then bad after she met me is a 100% lie. The 12 months prior to me meeting her, she had 10 suicide attempts or 10 emergency room visits for suicides and she had more gabapentin and, and, and neurotin and all those uh, heavy duty pills. And uh, by the way, when I took her to treatment, she was more messed up after I got back 
after she had been there for eight hours than when I brought her there. Oh, wow. So clearly it's, it's a deeper, it's a deeper group of people that are trying to keep her messed up and away from me. And the more pills they had her on now, mind you, um, for the 12 month prior, she had the $192,000 that tax paid, uh, you know, health insurance. And, um, when I met her after that, she stopped all of the pills hundred percent of them wow. because I refused to take her to Thailand if she was on anything at all. And so she was on an abuse and that was it. Tell me, abuses for drinking, by the way, go ahead. Why don't you tell me a little bit about these, uh, vampires that I, I was reading about as I was researching this story. I know that she mentioned these vampires. I think they were, I can't remember the term was psychic vampires or energy vampires, but there is that element to this mystery as well. Uh, why don't you tell the folks at home a little bit about that and how this term comes to play in, in this uh, murder case? Well, uh, with Michelle Warden Brosey working at the morgue, uh, you know, mortuary, uh, I mean, it just goes right in line with this, this talks of vampires. Um, and then, you know, Tiffany talked about vampires and she said, you know, you're going to watch it with me. And he says, yes, I am going to watch it with you. And she says, it's not going to be like vampires and all that stuff on TV, is it? Or something like that. And this so, is with her therapist. I'm sorry. Yeah. This is a conversation she's carrying on with her therapist, correct? Yeah, correct. Okay. Yeah. So, but, you know, in terms of vampires and psychic warfare and, and uh, demons and, and all of those types of things, um, collectively, it all spells, you know, this this type follow the Elbrick road it all spells the same thing um that tiffany was involved in something that was certainly way over my head in fact in one term she says and i don't know the exact word how to say it but she said uh it's not like i'm going to differentiate myself from the crow hmm. now you know i don't know the spelling of the word dif differentiate but basically i believe what she was saying was she's not going to remove herself from the cult but maybe you guys know better than me, but she said, uh, I'm not going to differentiate myself from the crow. And, you know, a lot of the terminology that they use uh, in this uh, mind control programming is very specific to each individual person's programming. Um, I know that after Tiffany died, they had sent in up to 10 other monarch slaves to try to keep control of my actions and also to try to ruin everything I was working on for the murder case. And, uh, for the most part, they semi succeeded, but all of them I decoded and realized uh, shortly after I met them that they were all mind control victims. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still semi friends with them, but I keep them at a distance because I knew, I do know it's not their fault. I mean, a girl named drew, I call her Drew, it's her not a real name, but I mean, she was even walking by my store the night Tiffany died and uh, I hadn't met her for six months. And so you can see how they plan this stuff out. I mean, uh, if Drew was walking by my store and she was because her boyfriend told me that was him in the video and he didn't even know why he was in front of my store that night, but uh, I hadn't met her for six months later. So they had planned all of this in advance. And, and, you know, I mean, this is like Netflix times a hundred because it's real and, and it, and it's difficult for people to grasp all of it in the two hour discussion. And it doesn't help that I have uh, ADHD, but, um, I assume some point somebody will do a, a 48 hours or something on it. 
Yeah, there's a lot of uh, inconsistencies in this case. Now, looking at this big picture, you keep referencing a cult in the Illuminati. You said yourself that prior to this, you had no knowledge about any of this stuff. How hard was it for you to come to terms with the very, very real possibility that this is all actually happening, that all of these things that people have been saying as far as mind control and, and MK Ultra and, and government experiments and things of that nature. I'm just wondering, was it really difficult for you to to be caught in a real life conspiracy theory? No, I was actually happy as heck when I found out why um or when I found out the truth. Because I had no idea why all the murder and the lies. And the, I mean, they try to make it like you're nuts when, when this happens. Okay. So <laughs> right. in, for the general public that doesn't know you're, in, you're investigating a murder, you know, for sure her doctor said she's going to get shot and nobody cares. There's nothing that can help alleviate the pain of nobody caring except for realizing why nobody cares. And so I learned that, that this stuff was real and I was, so happy that I found out so that I could try to make changes. You know, I remember going, I made an appointment to go to a, a priest in Oregon and uh, not a Catholic priest, but it was like a, a Christian. And I said, um, yeah, I want to talk to you about the new world order. And uh, he spent about 30 seconds and he goes, uh, yeah, but you don't need to really worry about the murder because God's coming. And I said, um, well, I want to worry about the murder first and then we'll worry about God second because that's a system which we abide by as Americans. And he was basically trying to tell me to let the murder go because God's on his way. And I told him he needs to turn his cross upside down. And then it was about one minute after I met him before our two hour meeting that he told me to get out. And wow. so then I was kicked out. But the, the most important part of this is, is that there are a lot of people involved in the new world order. And most people do not know at all. They're completely oblivious. You can call it, I think some people call it yoga. They call it, you know, there's a hundred names for this new world order, uh, plan to, uh, you know, remove the bad out of the country and kill us all. But, um, you know, whatever you want to call it, once you find out that this plan is real and then you go, Oh, wait a minute here. You're telling me Tiffany ran the dams. That's weird. Oh, you're telling me that the police lied in her murder. Well, that's weird. So each step of the way you go, well, it seems to be that there's something building here and it's not my story. That's the great thing about Tiffany's case. It's not my story. It's hers. I think that that's what I think people need to look at if they are still on the fence about this story. They need to see that there has been lies put forth by the authorities that, as you mentioned, are meant to be solving this crime, not help covering it up. And that is very, very strange and very bizarre. Uh, we're on the home stretch here, John. Why don't you tell people a little bit about what you're doing now to bring more awareness into this case and what can people do to help spread the word? Well, first of all, they can find out more information about Tiffany's case by going to TiffanyJanksMurder.com or... Uh, her Facebook page, which is Tiffany Jenks Murder and John S. Captain and, and become my friend. Um, and it is my plan to continue to seek justice. 
I, I do need help from people that can write well and people who can do FOIA requests. And um, I do want other monarch slave mind control victims that do not know for sure if they are or maybe they're thinking that they have a friend that is to connect on my page because a lot of them are seeking help that they're not able to get anywhere, especially from their family and therapists sometimes, depending on their cult. So uh, there is a lot of help out there. And I think that it's important that other people who are monarch slaves get the acknowledgement that we get it. We get it. Mind control is real. And it's time America realizes that too many people are dying too many people are getting set up on murders and or are out there killing people like the uh, Florida uh, airport shooter. So I'm just trying to say that it's time that America gets it. Mind control is not complex and they make it complex, but it really is not as complex as it seems. It's bad people controlling others. That's all it is. It's it's a very scary scary thing that's happening and and John you know we we wish you the best of luck and we will definitely do our part to make sure that our listeners find out more about this um, to dispel any doubt that listeners may have what are the chances that you may unbeknownstly to yourself be mind controlled or involved in this because I do know um, from talking to people like Elisa E in our past interviews that mind control victims associate with other mind control victims obviously in their family um, social circles and with their lovers etc yeah totally well and if I was a mind control victim, I think her family would love me because then they could control me. And uh, another thing is I wouldn't be spending $150,000 trying to bring to light the evils of mind control. Um, if I am a mind control victim or ever was, uh, then the uh, murder would not be um, my quest for uh, getting this out there. And, and I don't do well at necessarily i don't know i don't want to say that mind control victims are weak because they're not they're very very smart people oftentimes they don't know their mind control victims and the some of the ways they can tell their mind control victims is by you know having people in their lives that are um convincing them of things that sh that they know not to be true and or they are missing time oftentimes mind control victims will be missing time so if they if they notice those sorts of things like days at a time drug abuse and alcohol abuse is also big with mind control victims but in terms of me um i'm fighting the cabal straight up uh, and they do not like me so i i don't think that that's even an issue Thank you for, for your answers, John. We really appreciate it. And like I said, we, we're going to keep up with this story and we just ask you to, to be safe out there. And definitely we will continue supporting your fight on this and, and getting the word out. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you both. Thank you both, Frank and Jenny. And that was our guest, John. John Captain, Captain the third. Yeah. Who, uh, is trying to get attention on this case the murder of Tiffany Jenks and uh, I'm speechless. It's definitely a shocking and a heartbreaking story to say the least. And I can't imagine trying to help solve a murder and the people who we trust to help us do that, not paying attention. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's obvious there's something dodgy going on with this case and at very least that should be acknowledged but the fact that not even that much has been acknowledged 
lets you know that there's something not right about it. Correct. I mean, the fact that they brushed it away so easily. I mean, a $200 fine, what does that even mean? Is that a symbolic fine? That that doesn't even... At that point, don't bother fining. <laughs> I've had like car fines that are bigger than yeah. that. You know what no, I'm saying? True. That's it's true. That's not a that's not a fine for an accomplice in murder. Yeah, I mean, if it was my family member who had, you know, uh, met that fate, and one of the uh, people involved walked away with such a light sentence, I would be pretty upset. But I think yeah. we do need to remember that um, those involved in the murder and the apparent perpetrators may not be the ultimate perpetrators per se because the powers that be are often a lot further up and a lot more far removed from the actual occurrence of any you know murder or attack and I think we need to not be too quick to judge the people that were directly involved because they could just be the puppets. I'm pretty sure they are just the the pawns. Yeah, Yeah, they are just the pawns in this game and there are people far higher up that just have no strings attached, apparently. Absolutely. So if you want to learn more about this case, uh, I know John has has a a couple of websites and Facebook pages set up. I know one of them is stephaniejenksmurder.com. You can also find uh, uh, Facebook pages on the the murder of Tiffany Jenks. And you can also, as he said, friend him on on Facebook there. Look up John uh, Captain the Third, I believe. John S. Captain the Third. If yep. I'm not mistaken. And, and you can look him up on um, Twitter as well. You can either look up John Captain, but his at is PDX on the go. P-D-X-O-N-T-H-E-G-O. PDX on the go. Absolutely. And uh, like I said, I encourage people, you know, after they listen to this show, go and, and you know, get on Google, do some research. Uh, that's what we did when... when uh, we came across this story and you will see that at the very least, you will agree that there are some very, very strange uh, set of circumstances surrounding this case. And if you're a little bit open minded, you will be open to the possibility that what's going on here, it's, it's literally just a conspiracy involving, it's you know, some it's definitely uh, yeah, higher ups in, much in darker. yeah, with the authorities. That being said, Take care. Be safe. God bless. Don't do anything too crazy. We want to see you back next week. As always, I'm Engineer Frank on Twitter. West of the Rockies on Facebook. Genevieve Uway on Twitter. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at WOTR Radio. Check out the website, WOTRradio.com. And of course, subscribe. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel for uh, interviews as well as iTunes, Stitcher, tuning, and all that good stuff. We're going to go out with a track that uh, I'm quite fond of this track. It was in one of my favorite TV shows, Sons of Anarchy. And it's a track by Justin Warfield called Headlights. Enjoy perfect nighttime driving, if you ask me. So if you're driving out there, enjoy this one. If not, hope you're in bed and still enjoy this one. <laughs> Take care. We'll see you next week, guys. Bye-bye. West of the Rockies with Frank the Engineer on the Independent FM, Los Angeles.